Hey, hey, welcome to the third episode of On the Nose. Um, I hope that you guys are having a good or decent or satisfying week, day, month, whatever. Um, we don't have to stay in the binary of good and bad. I just hope it doesn't suck. I wanted to talk about the TikTok ban, which is not actually the TikTok ban. The TikTok ban is actually a bill with wide sweeping implications for uh, social media in general. Um, and they're using TikTok as a focal point um, because it's Chinese owned. And so they can do the othering and make it scary as if TikTok is doing anything that the domestic grown companies aren't doing. And something that TikTok actually does better is uh, getting the word out. They don't suppress information in quite the same way that say Facebook does. There's a lot that gets suppressed on there, absolutely. But in general, when people are doing news, trying to get the word out about local stuff, way more likely that it's going to get out. Um, I get more information from TikTok than I do from my news feed on Google. Usually what happens is I see something, I go, oh, that's interesting. And then I go look it up. And if I'm lucky, I get search results because Google search hasn't exactly been super great the last couple of years. So I'm not going to get into the technicals of the bill. I haven't read it. Uh, I've listened to a bunch of stuff about it, but more was just going to talk about like why it matters, why if TikTok was banned, I think it's improbable that it would be, but if it was, um, why it matters and why it would impact so many people. And I can only speak from my experience and from the input that I've gotten from the people that I talk to. So I know that like whatever I say, there's going to be like diverseness beyond that, right? So I'm not speaking for all. But one of the things that TikTok has done well is it's created communities, uh, pretty much any topic, be it like books or painting, um, art, cosplay, there's communities and there's communities within the communities. There's like just a ton of people that are networked and connected together by common interest. There's even uh, for disabilities, different types of disabilities, autism, etc. there's communities for that as well. There's also a culture of positivity and a culture of intolerance for negativity. Um, I know that there are sections of TikTok where that is not the case and you'll find a lot more negativity, but um, it's pretty easy to get into the sides of TikTok where that negativity is not well tolerated. Basically, if you behave like you're on Facebook, people tell you to go away. And so you have these communities of people with shared experiences, shared interests, who may never have like meaningful conversation in any other way. And yet they're all bonded to each other in a way where, uh, you know, they think about each other, check on each other, and uh, would miss each other if they lost access to that. Because even if everybody was to leave TikTok, 
after the ban and go to something like Instagram or Facebook or another replacement, the chances that the connections would be the same are very low because of the way that the different algorithms work. And I find the algorithms on TikTok to be really frustrating. My stuff is buried a lot. And like the friends around me, they all do much, much better than I do in that regard. But I have consistent connections with people. You know, like even if they don't see me on their feed, they come and find me and then I go to their page, interact with their stuff, support for support kind of thing. And like, you just don't get that anywhere else. I mean, even on Instagram, people are really nice. Uh, the clown community that I've met there, they're all really nice. But um, the support is a little funky. Like, I don't, it's just not the same. And Facebook is like impossible. You can ask people directly to share things and they just don't. There's like a numbing effect that all social media has and the, the flavor of numbing is different for each platform. Um, you know, like on Instagram and YouTube, it both seems like people just tend to scroll and they don't even like stuff that much. Um, TikTok, you get a little more engagement in terms of likes and stuff, but people are less likely to find words and more likely to use emotes. So like if you look at a TikTok thread, you're going to see a whole lot of emotes, not too many words. And that's because like people are going through so many freaking posts. It's really hard to find words. I, I like the emotes because I can show sort of like my raw emotion, like if I'm really happy or I thought it was really funny, I can just share that, you know, but I do sometimes be, be like, be like. Um, I don't know, worried that people are going to think it's not real. You know, they're going to think that my emotes are not genuine, but they are. They're very genuine. I was on a, or I guess I still am in a group on Facebook that had a definite community feel to it. Um, but it's kind of gotten quiet over the years. Um, that just seems natural. I've been online for a really long time and no matter how nice something is, it never lasts. People move on. They get tired of things. Life happens. New websites come out. New apps come out. New technology comes out. Like it just, you know, it was like that back in the day when I was on the BBSs. Uh, it was the greatest thing. The community was awesome and we did movie nights and pizza nights and it was really cool. Just all these like people that connected through this technology. And then when the technology became more accessible to regular people, the communities fell apart because the regular people didn't understand. You know, if you used a lot of words, they thought you were mad and they would like flame you and just be little douchebags. And then stuff like Friendster, MySpace just felt like popularity contests without anything else offered. LiveJournal was awesome. LiveJournal had all these different communities and sub-communities. Um, and I made a lot of friends that I still talk to to this day, like 20 years later. Um, in some cases, more than 20 years later. You know, I think LiveJournal was like one of the best for building connections and community. And I don't think we've seen quite anything like it since then. You know, Tumblr tried, but yeah. And then 
Facebook, no. Just their Facebook breeds negativity. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't get it. Like I will talk to somebody on Facebook and I will talk to the same person on Instagram and they have a different attitude between the two. It's it's weird. And it is really hard to get people to engage on Facebook. It's just really, they just really don't want to. And to be perfectly honest, if I wasn't trying to start and run a business that relies on outreach, I probably wouldn't use my Facebook like at all. I would use Instagram and no Facebook. And so it's a little bit of a a daily pain for me. But so, yeah, like if if there was a, you know, if, if this law passes, if this bill passes, the restrict bill, uh, and they did focus on TikTok and apply that bill to TikTok and it did get banned and they did figure out how to enforce it, um, there would be a lot of people losing their only real connection with the outside world for whatever reason that they have going on in their lives you know um they get their connection on tiktok and they would lose that and i think that that would be devastating and catastrophic to a lot of people um i have been going out of my way since i started making friends on tiktok to connect with them off of tiktok so that i can like text them um, and that means that if TikTok did get banned, that I won't lose my connections in the same way. But I will miss out on getting to see their content, which is different. Like watching people's content is not the same as having a conversation with them, like at all, because you're getting to see like what inspires them to make the content in the first place. And I've made friends with a lot of really smart, creative people who they just make really cool stuff. Like my content sucks. Like on my vlog account, it's just boring. It's it's like this, but without the personality and just in like one minute snippets and mostly, I don't know, just, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't even been posting because it just sucks and I know it sucks. I can't think of these these jokes, like people will do these, I call them analogy jokes, where they take a sound that's saying one thing and then they they put like words over it to say something else. And it's about like autism or their health issues or whatever. And it's very clever and funny. And I cannot like, I just can't think of anything. If I'm gonna be funny or clever, it's gonna happen spontaneously. And so I can't just like go make content about it. Like it just happens and it's done. I won't, if I say something something funny here, I'm not going to remember it later to, to retell it. And yeah, I'm recording it, but it's, it's highly unlikely I'm going to like listen to these to find snippets. Even if I want to, even if it would benefit me, I just, the attention span required is not built into my wiring. So anyway, part of my point in talking about that was to kind of give perspective, but, um, and I, I don't know if I did a good job with that, but uh, yeah, if it does happen and you know people on TikTok and you don't personally use it and they seem really bummed out, you know, be supportive. They're going through a loss. I Back in 2012, I had been playing this game called Glitch 
And I freaking loved that game. It was like an escape for me. I would come home from work and I was still required to be online for work so I could be online and play this game. And um, there were really cool people on there. I didn't socialize a lot, but I would like watch the conversations. And just the process of playing the game was so relaxing. It was like, I don't know, it was great. And when they shut the game down, I was like depressed and really sad. And like, I cried a couple of times and I was at work and I got really upset about it. And my boss like made fun of me, it's just a game. But it wasn't just a game. It was this thing in my life that had given me like purpose and it had helped me relax. And I had made friends there and I was losing all of that. And that's, you know, it's a reality shift. And I, I don't really understand why we treat stuff that's online as less real than the stuff that's here because it's just as real and our brains can't even tell the difference. Our brains think it's all the same. Our brains, when we watch TV, we are reacting to the stuff on TV as if it's real, even if we can cognitively tell you that it's not. You know, like at some level, we do not know the difference. And our, our emotional connections, the friends we make, the relationships we build, the hobbies and the community, all of that is real. It's no different than sitting around the fire back in the day, like in our tribes or whatever and telling stories and, and stuff. We're just utilizing technology to do it in a way that gives us uh, the opportunity to connect with people that we're compatible with because we're very, very, um, in general, we're, we live in very densely populated areas, but we're not we're not uh, socially set up to find and connect with people that we are compatible with. Uh, online is the best space to do that. And, you know, like treating, like online dating, oh, that's not real, you should meet them at a bar. What's the fucking difference, you know? Matter of fact, I think online dating is probably a little bit better in some ways because you get an opportunity to have like an actual conversation. You know, people that meet at bars, a lot of times there's a lot of idealism and objectification going on that isn't, you know, really isn't about like connecting in a real way. Um and I know that it's partially because like the technology is still relatively new, but we're at this point where we have generations that are now adults, young adults who have grown up with it. So at this point, we should just be treating this stuff as real. And when things happen in an online space, treat the impacts of those things as real. Yeah, I, anyway, so that, you know, and on the topic of content creation, I thought I would talk a little bit about why I make the content that I do. Um, not the stuff for my shop, that's obviously I'm trying to sell stuff, but um, the content where I put on the face paint or play with the puppets or whatever, you know, I got into that because I just, I just needed, I needed something. And I started playing with the puppets. And I, I honestly did not think that I could use my face and my body to um, convey things. I didn't think that I could lip sync or any of that. I just, 
I'd never done it before and I didn't think I would be good at it. Um, which is kind of silly because I'm very expressive. It's just that I'm expressive like on the fly. I'm not expressive like on command. Um, so I started doing the puppets and I took to that pretty quickly. Like I think that like I do pretty good with like the body language, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. I just, I sort of put my body language into my puppets. So that's why they always seem a little bit ADHD. Um, and so I started doing that and that was really fun, just making people laugh and practicing it and just seeing, you know, what, how it looked. Because like when I'm filming it, I can't really see it. So it's after I filmed it and I watch it and then I see and I'm like, okay, this works, yeah. And I've gotten to the point now that when I record stuff, I can usually tell just from how it felt that it was a good one. So I don't need to do a retake or whatever. And then my friend who she does the clown stuff, she was like, you should do that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Cause I never really put myself in front of the camera. I was always behind the camera and doing the puppets still felt like I was behind the camera. I didn't feel like I was trying to take up too much space or ask for attention or anything. And, and honestly putting myself on the camera it feels like that and not, 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 that's not what I'm doing. I'm not doing it for the attention. The attention is nice, don't get me wrong. I do it because it's fun to do and the attention is frosting. But I didn't start doing it for the attention. Matter of fact, I didn't want any attention. I was absolutely mortified. I was like, oh God, what am I doing? Um, and, you know, like posting pictures, doing all that, it feels really narcissistic to me, which I don't know, like we're all a little bit narcissistic and it's probably healthy to be that way. But like, it's hard not to feel self-conscious as if there's something wrong with it. But I personally, like when other people seem really confident in their skin and they seem really comfortable just putting themselves out and sharing themselves, even if I, even if they don't actually feel that way, but they look like they feel that way, I really envy that in like a inspired kind of way, not in a like, well, gosh, that's, uh, uh, but no, like I like literally want to be like that. I want to learn from them. You know, like when I used to go to clubs and go dancing and then, and I spent a lot of time people watching and there would be like women who are plus size and they were like dancing and they just, they were so in the moment and they were so in their bodies and it was so beautiful. And like, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to learn to be in the moment in my body, no matter what I look like, because how I look, what my body looks like is ultimately arbitrary. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with that moment and that experience. Like other people might have a different perception of me because of their own biases, but ultimately for me, I should be, I should be able to move my body, use my body, have a good time and not have this perception issue get in the way, you know, at least that's the goal. Now I mentioned that before, there's definitely like a, a comfort zone thing 
for me that I am challenging. And I just want to get to this point that I can just be myself and not be thinking that I'm grossing people out. And the thing is, if I am, if people find me annoying or they find what I'm sharing unpleasant or uncomfortable, they don't have to follow me. It's their responsibility to tailor their experience. It's not my responsibility to tailor my content to them. And that's been such an interesting and challenging thing to work on because that's a boundary issue, right? And that really screams that I'm used to compensating for what I think other people want, even though I have no idea what they want because what I think that they want and, and what I think that they think is acceptable is completely shaped by the biases and the bullshit ideas that I grew up around, which are antiquated at this point. Most people would say the actress Daryl Hannah back in the day needed to eat something, but back then she was like the ideal, and I that's what I grew up around women that look like Barbie, right? And that, <laughs> the body image issue, whew, that's like a whole freaking thing. But a big part of what I'm doing by making the content, by doing the face paint, is, is challenging that, you know? Because we all deserve to enjoy the machines that we live in, while we're here in them, you know? So I make content usually about once a month. Uh, it takes me up to an hour to 90 minutes to do my makeup on average. Um, and it's really painful. Like I have arthritis in my neck and stuff and it can be really painful, especially doing my eyes. Um, so by the time I'm done putting the makeup on, I'm usually pretty tired because I've already gone through like burning a lot of energy from being in pain and, and stuff. Um, and then I go and I like, I have sounds saved on TikTok and I use those sounds um, due to lip syncing or whatever. Um, I don't do a lot of pre-planning. So I just go through the sounds and whatever feels good in the moment is what I do. So it's it's kind of random like that. Um, and then I try to make enough content that I don't need to make content again for a couple of weeks because it wipes me out enough that I don't, you know, like I, it takes me about a week to bounce back from making content and doing my makeup and all that. So like I wouldn't want to do it weekly because I would spend every week bouncing back just to do it again. So I try to give myself a couple of weeks so that I can do other things um, and build up, kind of build up my energy again. And that is something I'm definitely hoping will get better over time. Um, it's already better than it was like when I started a year ago. I just passed my one year anniversary of doing the, the clown stuff and still do not feel like I know what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm just at the beginning of learning to relax and kind of unlock that. Like I just feel so reserved inside my body still. So I'm just gonna keep doing this and just keep trying to unlock, unlock it. So I have like a list of things that I think that Every person should do, especially women, at least one time in their lifetime. Uh, shave their heads. 
Uh, this is specific for women. Uh, hair is uh, part of that whole control misogyny thing and being able to shave your head and just have that freedom and shucking off the expectations is pretty amazing experience. So I think like that's something that women could do um, and benefit from. You know, they don't have to like the haircut. They can always grow it out. But I think it's a great experience. Not only that, but it takes that it takes that power away. You know, I mean, hair cutting, like taking cutting a woman's hair against her will, is still used as a way to punish women uh, because femininity and womanhood and identity and all of this stuff is so wrapped up in it and. We just, we need to like, no. And then uh, ride a motorcycle, learn to ride a motorcycle. I think that every single person should learn how to do that. And I think that every single person should learn how to drive a big truck. Uh, The reason for that being uh, perspective. Drivers are very ignorant of anybody else's perspective. They're not good at thinking about how to navigate the world around them, taking others into consideration. Um, and I just think that like a more educated driver population makes for better drivers. Secondary benefit for women specifically, because things like riding motorcycles, learning how to drive big trucks, tractors, whatever is very like, just, well, duh, a guy would do that. But women, not so much, right? There are more women riding and doing that stuff now, but it's still considered a novelty. And um, just opening up that that door of opportunity to have the perspective and be like, yeah, this is something that I could do is um, it's really powerful. You know, like they could take the class, learn how to ride motorcycles and never, never ride again. But for some women, it would unleash a passion in them or, you know, just give them an option for commuting that they didn't know that they had. And on topic from earlier, face paint. I think that that's something that we should all play with and just to have the opportunity to be ourselves without being ourselves, you know? Um, in some ways, when I have the face paint on, I feel more like myself because I've spent so much time sort of masking myself and controlling myself to um, be socially digestible for other people. Um, and the sad thing is I don't do a good job at it. Like, even though I try really hard to be okay for other people, not be too abrasive and stuff, I still am off-putting. And I know it. Like, I don't want to be. I just, I can't help it. I'm the person that people come to when they have a problem in their life and they need, like, information, you know? I'm not the person people come to when they just want to hang out and socialize. That's just... There are people that they do want to hang out with me, but they live far away and they've never had the chance. And I'm not sure they would want to after they've had the chance. It's, I have like a high, high level of skepticism about that just based on like past patterns. It's not even like a, I'm not feeling sorry for myself or feeling bad for myself. It's just, if you look at my life of patterns, like the, so, the social interactions, there are consistencies there. So, you know, if, if I hung out with these people in person and they still wanted to hang out with me, that would be pretty pretty fucking awesome and it would break the pattern and I am for that I'm very supportive of pattern changes as long as they're not harmful so the other interesting thing about the face paint 
uh, for me is that it makes me more approachable. Um, and I think like that perspective of being treated differently because of how you look and, and, and being able to change how you look in such an easy way is very interesting. You know, like I've, I've done like plenty of like sort of like social experiments because I've, I usually have short hair. And when I was younger, short hair was very like abnormal for females. And so I got treated differently. And if I put on a wig or when I grew my hair out, I was treated very differently than when I had short hair. And so I used to play with that and be like, okay, well, what happens if I wear this kind of clothing versus that kind of clothing? And they're like consistent uh, results to those changes. Like the more feminine or more attractive, quote unquote, attractive, according to social standards I dressed, um, the more attention I got in the sense of like, if I was walking through a door, the person in front of me would hold the door, be them male or female. But if I was just dressed normal, comfortable with my head shaved, they would drop the door on me consistently. Like I learned when I was flying a lot for work to wear a skirt on the flight because people would just help me lift my luggage overhead. I didn't even have to ask. Whereas if I was just wearing PJs and didn't like look like anything, people wouldn't even like make eye contact with me. And like, if if y'all want to do extra work because of your bias, who am I to say no? But anyway, being perceived differently. So most of my life, I've been told that I'm an acquired taste, uh, not just personality-wise, but how I look, and haven't really gotten too much attention for how I look, except um, like certain groups of people, like Europeans and stuff like that. Um, but like American-based, whatever, is very like, I'm a little weird looking. And my body type, which is now more in, but back then, like being thicker and stuff was not, yeah, I was a big girl. But within like social circles and stuff, I was not treated as a female. I was usually one of the guys. Um, If people thought I was attractive, they did not let me know. So I didn't know. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there were people that thought I was attractive because every now and again, there'll be somebody like 10 years later that would be like, hey, you know, I had a crush on you back then. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, when I started wearing the face paint, right away, I started getting called hot, sexy, blah, 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 whatever, like these words that have never been used to me, not even within the privacy of a relationship. I have never been called hot, like fucking ever. But I look like a clown, I'm hot. And at first it kind of hurt my feelings. I was like, so I'm not actually hot unless I put all the shit on me. And then I was like, no, because the shit is still me. I'm still, I am that person. It's, It's that the makeup makes me approachable. It makes people feel comfortable saying stuff. And one of the other things that people have consistently said to me is that I'm really intimidating. Um, <laughs> I, I accept this feedback. I don't understand why I'm intimidating because I'm a pretty nice person and I'm very accepting and, you know, but apparently just being very like comfortable in my opinions and I'm very honest and stuff. It's, it's intimidating because mainstream culture is based on being disingenuous like all the fucking time, which is 
nasty sauce. But um, yeah, and so I realized that this, that I'm getting these compliments, I'm getting this feedback because the makeup makes people feel like they can talk to me. And what kind of happens is I meet people and we talk and stuff and it's obvious they think I'm like somebody else, like a different kind of person. And the more we talk, we stop talking. Like, you know, but uh, they had an initial, initial idealization of me. Um, and it's very possible that the, those people would have had that same initial assumption, the idealization, but would never have felt comfortable approaching me without the face paint. I can't like prove that, but that's my working theory. I think it's fascinating. And I think it's something that like people should just experience because it's, it's weird. Like people are weird. Our brains are weird. The way we perceive things you know, like I actually think I'm just going to do the clown makeup when um, I start selling my stuff at booths because I think it'll make me more approachable. I just think my default face scares people away, except the people looking to tell their life story because I, I either don't get approached and people kind of avoid me or I have people who want to talk to me for two hours and tell me their entire life story. Um, and I have met some really nice people over the years who have done exactly that. And I have lots of stories in my head because of that. But yeah, so do you guys have any life experiences that you think should be universal either for, for everybody or for like one group or another? I'm just curious because I figure that's going to vary a lot. Um, based on your life experiences and things that you've been exposed to. And again, I wanna give a shout out to my patrons and I wanna give a shout out to anybody who's listening and has shared my stuff and has just generally been supportive because there are a lot of you. Um, I just, I appreciate you guys more than words can express.